Romans 12, and we'll begin reading in verse 17. We'll read through the end of the chapter. Romans 12, 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, once again, as we come into your presence, we, Father, acknowledge our need of you speaking and and giving us a a hearing ear. Father, not only that, but uh, Father, the ability to be able to um, do this that's set before us. It's, it is a, a mighty thing. It is a, a great thing that if we're going to be able to keep our own spirits in, in subjection and not return evil for evil or railing for railing, and yet seek to overcome evil with good, uh, Father, great grace we are going to need. And, and Father, we ask that you'd help us uh, in our endeavor to to accomplish this, that we may glorify your name. Be with us, speak unto us. Be with those who are not in our midst. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So, title this morning would be along the lines of Avenging Not Yourselves. So, Avenge Not Yourselves. You know, one of the most popular film franchises amongst um, kids today is is uh, uh, a, a, a Marvel, it's the Marvel franchise, but it, it one of the one of the the film portions of of that franchise is is called the Avengers. Um, so we're being told here not to avenge, you know, ourselves, um, but we're we're told to give to give something, we're to give place, you know, whose place is it? We're to give place uh, under wrath. It's God's place. God's place is a place that that distributes wrath. Our place is not to distribute wrath. Uh, His place is to distribute wrath. Our place is not to distribute retribution. His place is to distribute retribution. Uh, Why why is it not our place? Well, one thing we could say like last week is the fact that, you know, I don't know everything that God knows. I can't see everything that God sees. I myself am not perfect. I cannot deal uh, with a person perfectly. Um, <clears throat> I am I am liable to to carry a situation too far, uh, and 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 go further than need be gone. And so my place is not a place of vengeance. My place is not a place of wrath. God's place is a place of vengeance. God's place is a place of. Uh, wrath. Now that flies in the face of the world's idea. It flies in the face of our own flesh and what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants, um, you know, you've probably heard this saying before, I don't get mad, I get even. Yeah, that's, that's the world's sort of a mantra, uh, kind of their, their motto, but it's not to be ours. Um, But, you know, even in that statement, think about that. I mean, if you didn't get mad, they're saying they don't get mad, they get even. But if you didn't get mad, why would you want to get even? You know, you wouldn't want to get even if you didn't get mad, right? So it it really is not, it's not true in and of itself. 
Um, but we're commanded not to avenge ourselves. So again, what is it to avenge? It's to retaliate. It's to return evil for evil. It's to repay. It's to get even. Um, it's exactly the thing that our flesh wants to do. Uh, instead of what the Scripture commands of us to love our enemies, pray for those who, who uh, hate us, those who use us, persecute us. Um, I have a supporting text that I want to bring in to, and I think illustrates. Uh, Teresa already knows because I had her read it this week um, as I was looking at it. But um, since we have dogs mentioned in that supporting text, I, I want to mention dogs um, and use an animal as an illustration. It doesn't have to be a dog. But if you found a stray one, you found a stray animal, one that had been subjected to the elements, you know, it's, it's been cast out, you know, by um, its owner, in, in a sense. Uh, or maybe it's lost, I don't know. But, but it, it's been subjected to the elements. It's had to fight for survival. Maybe it had been in a place where it had been fed, now no longer. And I can already see compassion on Sister Shelby's face towards this animal, even though it's not a real animal, it's a fictitious animal. <clears throat> but um, it's been run off by everyone. You know, there's the <clears throat> I pulled up to the gate there behind you, <clears throat> going into the farm, and that dog that came up and you gave it a dog biscuit. <clears throat> Every time it comes up to the house, you know what I do? Tell it to go home, because my home is not its home. <clears throat> go home, you know. So it's been run off by everyone. It's had to fend. That's not the case with this dog. It belongs to somebody else. Um, it's had to fend for itself. How would you gain its trust? You easily gained that dog's trust, but it wasn't a dog that was in that position. You know, it wasn't a wild sort of dog. You know, I have a, I have a pastor friend, you know, the story that <clears throat> he was, he was working for an air conditioning company at the time and they came upon this puppy and it was all alone, you know? And so he thought, I'll try to befriend it and, and, and take it home to the kids, you know? And so <clears throat> at that time he was, he was kind of in a, a, a poor time of his life and he would take his lunch with him and so his only lunch that he had he was trying to entice you know the dog to, and of course the dog was wanting to fight him you know the whole time and take off with the sandwich and he's wanting to capture the dog and take it home <clears throat> but um, you can imagine that sort of a of a scenario you know that I'm trying to describe here I'm trying to give you know that but but how would you gain the animal's trust what he was trying to do was gain the animal's trust he was trying to feed the animal the animal was scrawny it hadn't been taken care of you know, it hadn't been well fed. Um, you know, if every time he saw that dog on the side of the road, he kicked it, <laughs> he wouldn't really gain his trust, would he? Um, and so can you see the correlation? And, and, and am, I, am I helping you to see the correlation here with, with our own lives? I mean, if we kick people around us all the time, we're, we're, we're not going to, returning evil for evil is not going to do any good. Um, you know, we're going to have to return the evil they show us with good, just like with that animal trying to gain its, its trust, you know, <clears throat> and this is all part of that mysterious sort of a verse that we see at the end where it talks about heaping coals of fire on people's heads. You know, what's that all about? You know, um, that sounds like retribution, doesn't it? It sounds like vengeance in a way, doesn't it? Um, but if we're going to try to, to gain this animal's trust, it's going to be by befriending it. Um, it's going to be by taking some patience with it, um, some kindness to win it over. Because in the beginning, what's it going to do? It's going to growl. 
you know, there, there are three kittens at our house right now. Okay. And Aunt Nita's like, I've got too many of those. She doesn't want them. I can tell I can't, I can't pawn them off on her, <clears throat> but there's three kittens that, and they've gotten old enough now where they come up on the porch. So there's three steps landing, three steps landing before you get to the door. And so last night, Teresa and I walked out and when she walked out ahead of me, I don't know if you tried to interact with the kitten or not, but it just, it hissed at her. And I'm like, hold on, buddy, you're on my porch. You know, don't be hissing at me. It isn't my porch, not yours. You know, you're coming up here and taking residence. I, I didn't ask for you. I didn't, I didn't go out and buy you and bring you here. You know, you just showed up one day. <clears throat> so, you know, but if I'm going to gain the animal's trust, you know, I'm going to have to show it some kindness, right? Uh, I'm not going to gain the animal's trust by, by every time I get around it, picking it up and throwing it across the yard. And Sister Shelby's like, would you do that? You know, surely you wouldn't do that. I have taught cats how to fly before. Yeah. <laughs> they always land on their feet. Yeah. Um, now, at the same time, if that dog were rabid, I wouldn't want that dog to come home with me. If that dog were going to attack my children, or maybe it's trying to come into my yard and attack my children. And I've had to have a talk with a neighbor next door because their dogs tried to come in our yard, two of them. And, you know, the girls are out there trying to swing on the swing set and the dogs are growling at them and coming into the yard. You know, I'm like, okay, either you do something about these dogs or I'm going to do something about them, you know. Um, so we have that sort of scenario that we talked about last week too where, you know, it, if it's possible, we live at peace, right? Uh, if somebody's trying to take my life, then I may have to defend it. And in defending it, I may have to, it, their life may be lost. It's not because I want to take their life, but it may, it may would come to that. It may would happen. I don't want it to, um, but I would have no choice but to defend myself in that scenario. So let me take you to the passage now that I wanted to use kind of as a supporting passage to what we're talking about here in Romans 12, and that is found in 1 Samuel 24. So the book of 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, is uh, where, I'm, where I'm going. And I'll give you some background, try to engage your mind a little bit about where we're going to be in that chapter you remember the relationship between Saul and David. The relationship between Saul and David wasn't always what it was in the end. In the beginning, we see David stepping onto the battlefield and, and, and killing a giant that nobody else wanted to face, right? And so from that event, we have Saul asking Jesse, David's father, if David could come and be there in the court with him. You know, could be one of, of servants, really kind of so to speak. And you remember how Saul, the evil spirit from the Lord, would come upon Saul. I know that's a mysterious thing too, but would come upon Saul and David would play. And Saul's spirit would, would be calmed. You know, music, you know, soothing the savage beast, you know, sort of thing. But as David's popularity grew, and there would be shouts in the city, you know, where they would say, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. And je- jealousy just took over, you know, Saul. And rage took over Saul. And you can remember David being there in the court, playing as he, as he did it many times before. And there was a javelin there by Saul. And he sought, the scripture says, to pin David to the wall, you know, with that javelin. Uh, but David escaped you know, out of his presence, Um, you know, situations where, you know, even on the battlefield, you know, it was told unto David, 
you know, whenever he faced Goliath. You know, all the other soldiers there told David, said, look, and they weren't really specifically at first, I don't think, speaking this to David. David was there, hadn't seen the scenario before he got there, and was was watching this thing unfold, you know, where Goliath's coming out every day and challenging, you know, someone from, you know, the army of Israel, and no one wanted to go out and meet him on the battlefield. And so these men start telling, you know, this, and I don't know that it was really spoken, you know, by Saul himself, but, but the men were saying, whoever goes out there and slays Goliath, surely the king will give his daughter, you know, unto him, you know, to be wed unto the king's daughter, you know. And you remember at one point when it came to that and Saul saw that, that there was some interest by, um, you know, Michael, his daughter, and there was some interest. And, you know, of course, David's part, he would, what was he saying? I'm not worthy to marry the king's daughter. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a man of station. I'm not a man of place. I'm not a man, you know, of royalty. I'm not a man, you know, of riches. I'm not worthy. And so this all get back, gets back to Saul's ears. And Saul's jealous you know, of David. And so what does Saul say that he will accept as a dowry? You remember? Anybody? I'm trying to remember the exact number, but I think it was a thousand foreskins of the Philistines. So he had to go out and slay a thousand men, you know. Um, and what was Saul hoping for? That David would be killed, you know, in, in that endeavor. That he would be killed in the battle um, that would ensue, that, that he would accomplish such a task, you know, as that. Uh, but the Lord delivered, you know, David, just like he delivered him from the bear, just like he delivered him from the lion, just like he delivered him from Goliath. You know, David didn't step on the battlefield in his own strength. David didn't step on the battlefield, you know, with his, his own, um, you know, skills from, from being a warrior because he was, he was straight from the, the, the flock, straight from the, the field. Um, he, he stepped on the battlefield with the things that he knew. He knew the Lord had spared him from the lion. He knew the Lord had spared him from the bear. He, he knew a shepherd's staff. He, he, knew, he knew a sling and stones. You know, he knew those things. And he knew he could trust in the Lord. And so he went on the battlefield and he slew Goliath, you know, with a sling and a stone. And you remember Goliath, as he approaches him, Goliath is like, you're coming at me with a stick and with stones? He said, I'm going to feed your you know, carcass to the birds, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. You know, you're not going to stand a chance. And, and yet David slays Goliath and cuts Goliath's head off with Goliath's own sword. And you remember later on, I'm kind of, I mean, David is, 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 is a, is a is the story of David is a wonderful thing to me in Scripture. So I could go on about it for a while. But, but you remember later on, David goes into Gath. Where was Goliath from? Gath. What does David have strapped to his side that he he picks up along the way as he's fleeing Saul? Goliath's sword. You imagine walking into Gath? You've slain their champion, and you're going to walk into their city with their champion's sword, you know, hilted to your side? That's pretty bold, isn't it, (laughs) Andrew? You know, that would be pretty bold. But back to 1 Samuel 24. Um, I've just brought that up because the Lord spared David and took care of David, um, you know, in so many different ways. Here, here we have kind of a, uh, a pinnacle moment in the life of, of Saul and David as far as Saul's desire to slay David. First Samuel 24 says, It came to pass 
When Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. In other words, he went in to take a nap. And he did not know it, but David and his men were inside this cave. It says, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And when the men of David said unto him, or the men of David said unto him, behold, look, I mean, this is providential, isn't it? I mean, the Lord has delivered Saul, your enemy, into your hands. There he is. He's, he's, got, no, he's, he's got no guards around him. He's asleep. Now's your chance. You need to kill him. So the men of David said, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, and thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. I don't know the Lord ever said that to David. That's surely what these men were saying. Then David arose, encouraged. You know, he was provoked in a sense. He was prodded on, you know, by these men to do this thing. They wanted him to kill Saul. They were tired of being chased. They were tired of being hunted down. They were tired of being in places where there wasn't a lot of water, and there wasn't a lot to eat, and there wasn't any shelter besides caves, and it was cold, and it was, you know, in the desert, it gets cold out there. So they were tired of this existence. Um, so David does get up, and he does, he does go over to Saul. And you can imagine, I, I like to imagine the fact that God has caused a sleep to fall upon Saul that, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a man of war. He causes such a sleep to fall upon Saul that he doesn't realize David's presence. He doesn't realize the presence of his men. And he, can you imagine here they are? Maybe they've got some armor on and somebody moves and the armor, you know, clanks against itself. And everybody's like, stop, be quiet. You know, there's, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, but here David is coming up to Saul. He's, 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 he's asleep and he, he has these thoughts in his mind that these men want him to kill Saul. But David's heart won't let him do it. And so he cuts the skirt of Saul's robe. It says privily, privately, quietly. And, and David's a man of war also, isn't he? So stealthily, he creeps up to Saul. And I'm sure his blade was sharp. It could have been plunged right into Saul's chest. It could have been drawn right across Saul's throat. But it quietly and easily cut off a piece of Saul's garment. In verse 6, he said unto his men, you know, here's his response to these men agging him on to kill Saul. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, so stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants. Because at this point, you know, he, he's having to hold back the mob, you know, in a way. He stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And this is a man that's wanting to kill David. And he, still, he maintains his integrity. Still, he maintains his loyalty. Still, he maintains the honor and the reverence and the respect, if not for the man, for the office. My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, 
David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord hath delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee, but mine eye spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not, know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge, this is what we saw last week, what's our response <clears throat> in these situations where we find ourselves against a Saul. We commit ourselves to the Lord. We say the Lord judge between you and I. This is what David says here. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee, and see and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking, excuse me, these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. Can you see the, the connection to Romans 12? Now here's where I want you to see coals of fire being put upon Saul's head because that is, that is the meaning of that. Coals of fire being put upon a person's head. It is David doing good unto Saul when Saul had done nothing but evil you know, unto David. And in the end, what was the result of David's good shown towards Saul? David says, or Saul says, you're more righteous than I. You know, here we see this repentance, you know, in, 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 a, in a sense, it's not, it's not godly sorrow and repentance unto salvation, I don't think, but <clears throat> we do see some repentance. Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast shown me this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for thou, that, that that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king. How did he know that? How did he know that David would be king? You remember whenever Saul had not obeyed the Lord? And Samuel says, this day... The kingdom has been rent away from thee and shall be given unto a neighbor that is better than thou. And Saul's already been told this before this encounter happens. I mean, it's been some time before, but he already knows this. I know well that thou shalt surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore unto Saul, 
And Saul went home, but David and his men got them up unto the hold. So, you know, we see here in this, in this picture how that David did not avenge himself. And isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful picture that David didn't avenge himself? I mean, God could have avenged himself upon us, but, but he poured out his wrath upon his son. Um, so, you know, David didn't avenge himself of Saul. We must not. We must not. That's God's. God, God would remove Saul one day, and he did. He did remove Saul in a time. You know, how did, how did Saul die? He died on the battlefield, right? Um, you know, so, so God removed Saul at one point. And, and David didn't just immediately become, you know, king. Um, you know, he was king in Judah. And then it was later when all of Israel, you know, accepted David as king. But, but um, David escaped out of Saul's presence more than once. We don't see David running around trying to come up with some sort of a battle plan, you know, to counteract Saul's attack and try to take Saul's life. No, he's being chased by Saul. Here and there, he's being chased. And, and he's looking to the Lord for wisdom. He's, he's in this one city, and it's reported to Saul that David's there, and those people in the city had given David up, you know, to, to tell Saul that he was there. And David finds out about it, and he asks the Lord, you know, what should I do? And, and the Lord tells him, you know, flee. And so he does. Um, it's not that David's unable to defend himself. He's not this weak sort of person. He, he's, he's not a weakling. You know, he's, 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 that's, that doesn't describe David. David killed Goliath. You know, when no other man would step on the battlefield and face Goliath, David went out there. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who withstands the armies of the living God? You know, so we see, you know, in, in David, we see, you know, this, this sense of, 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 of it's God's vengeance. It's not David's vengeance. David didn't have a personal vendetta against Goliath. Uh, but there was a battle that was taking place, and God had sent Israel into battle. And so David was there and says, who is this man that's going to withstand the armies of the living God? And he says, I'll fight him. I'll go. So we don't have a weakling here. You know, we, we've already talked about David's resume, right? When, when Saul says, how are you going to go out and fight him? And, and David starts telling him about the lion, tells him about the bear. And so, you know, Saul is convinced. He says, okay, um, you know, I'm not de- dealing with a shepherd boy here. You know, you've had some experience, and, and uh, the Lord be with you, you know. Um, so Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord, you know, be with you. Because David had said that the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. He would deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. But we are to give, you know, that was that scenario. But I'm, what I'm saying is David wasn't a weakling. He could have taken Saul's life. I mean, David was a, a, a man larger of stature you know, than David. We know the thing about Saul you know, why did the people choose Saul as king? They wanted to have a king like the other nations. You know, greatly grieved Samuel's heart. But God tells Samuel, let them have what they want. But, you know, Saul was head and shoulders above the other people. Um, and so that to them was the epitome of a king, you know. Um, but Saul would have had a fight on his hands had he faced David, you know, in battle, surely. But David didn't have a personal vendetta against Saul, even though Saul sought to take David's life. 
He's like, vengeance is God's, not mine. Um, there is a right and righteous indignation. I'm not saying that we don't have, we don't have place to, to, to be um, you know, upset about things around us that are wrong. We do. Um, but it's not personal vengeance that we're after. It's God's, God's righteous you know, judgment upon these situations that, because it's God's glory that's involved that we're concerned about. That was David's concern on the battlefield, you know, with Goliath. Um, you know, think about how that, how, how would, would Saul have listened to David had God not provided this opportunity for David to cut off the corner of his, of his garment and show him, look, look at, your, look at your skirt. Part of it's missing. It's right here. I could have killed you, but I didn't. Um, you know, would, would Saul have, have really wanted to listen to David? And that wasn't the first time, was it? You're, you're, or the only time, rather. There was another time, you know, where, where, where David goes in and he takes Saul's spear and he takes the cruise of water that's there at Saul's head. And, and he, he, he tells Saul's general, said, you didn't keep your king. I came in. You know, I took these things. I could have killed him, but I didn't. Um, you know, but would Saul have listened to just reason? It doesn't seem so. God provided this opportunity and it was the thing that caused, you know, Saul to say, I'm wrong and you're right. Um, so, you know, that's, people may not listen to what we have to say, but they may listen to our actions. Like with Saul here with David's actions. You know, Matthew five sixteen says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. I read an account this morning about a young woman back in the sixties. I think it was maybe before that, but she was. She was like the secretary of the Communist Party on the campus of whatever college. This wasn't here in the U.S. This was in Europe. And the school that, that they were in, it might have even been Cambridge. I can't remember. But there was, there was this really bad storm that had come in, and, and water was being rationed, and you could only have a bath once a week. And, and <clears throat> she was watching this. It was only Christian upon her floor, and she would watch this person. And that person wasn't asserting her rights, wasn't pushing in the crowd trying to get forward because there was a queue that you had to wait in to get in there. Um, and through that happening, you know, week after week and her observing this, this young Christian woman's attitude, you know, towards everything that was going on around her, it caused, you know, her to be converted. And she ended up going on to the mission field, you know. So they may not listen to our words, but they may listen to our lives. They may listen to our actions. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. That's, that describes that young lady's circumstances. I mean, she didn't even know she was having that effect upon this other person. She didn't even realize it. So there's, there's times we don't even know what kind of an effect that we're having upon people. Be peaceable as far as it depends upon you. Avenge not yourselves. Preserve peace. That's what we're being told here. Give place to wrath that belongs to God. It's God's work, not ours. It's God's business. Um, we're not as just as God is. Our judgment's not ad- adequate. Our judgment's inadequate. His, judge, his judgment's perfect. Leave it to God. <clears throat> Give place to wrath. Give place to God's wrath. That's, that's God's business. 
Leave it to God in the right spirit. It's one thing to say, God will get even with you. That's not really the right spirit. Um, you know, we're, we're leaving that person, that situation, you know, to God, and we're, we're told to return good for their evil. That's what we're told to do. If, 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 we, if we can't love our enemy, then we can't, um, how can we pray for him? We're not in the right spirit. We're told to pray for our enemies. Um, and that is, loving, that is a loving thing to do. I mean, maybe we don't have the opportunity to do the thing that David did in Saul's circumstances. You know, David gets to cut off Saul's garment and show Saul, look, I could have killed you. Um, you know, maybe it's something much less than that. Maybe it's only that we get to pray for him. Uh, but that in and of itself is what we are called, you know, to do. It's not that when we talk about giving place to God's wrath that we say, well, God can do it better. Well, he'll really get even with them. You know, that's, again, the wrong sort of spirit, isn't it, in connection with what we've seen before and what even goes behind this verse that we're looking at here. Um, You know, that sort of spirit would go against what we've already been saying. No, what we're called to do is commit the situation to the Lord. Leave it in the Lord's hands. That's the thing David did, isn't it? He said, the Lord judge between you and I. I mean, there there wasn't any sense of personal vengeance that we can read in that scripture there. He said, the Lord judge between you and me and avenge me of you because you're the one in the wrong here. Um, it's not that, I'm, that, that David desired any harm to Saul. Don't we see that? I mean, remember when Saul is killed. Did David rejoice that day? You know, did, did David say, yes, finally, Saul's dead. He wept. He wept over Saul's death. He certainly wept over Jonathan's death, but he even wept over Saul's death. He says, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, He wept over his death. He didn't desire any harm, um, but he said, the Lord judge between you and I. Like we said last week, I think it's right that we have a zeal for the glory of God and, and and the judgment of God and for things to be made right, to be set right. Uh, one day God will do that. But there's a difference between me seeking personal vengeance and, 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 and that. Um, it is not our vengeance, but it is God's. And some people say, well, you know, the God of the New Testament is not the same as the God of the Old Testament. We see a God of vengeance in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we don't see, you know, that. We see a God of love in the New Testament. No, God's the same. God hasn't changed. He's no different. There's not a division our Lord, you know, when, when he was upon the earth, he accepted the Old Testament teaching in its entirety. Um, he didn't say things were different in the New Testament. Um, so the very things we're talking about here are things that we see in the Old Testament. What we're reading here in Romans 12 is what we see being played out in the life of David before, you know, Saul. Think about passages like Second Thessalonians 1, beginning in verse number 7. It says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire taking vengeance, it's God's vengeance, on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints 
and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So, you know, we, we see this outlook of what's coming. There is a vengeance and there is a judgment. I'm not saying that doesn't happen here because the government doesn't bear the sword in vain. The police officer doesn't have a gun for nothing. You know, there's, there's judgment that happens here on this earth too, but, but there's, there's judgment that is coming when God's going to set all things right. You know, so, you know, we know that, that vindication is going to happen, but, you know, for us, you know, here's our position in that we are to love our enemies and overcome evil with good. That's what we are called unto. So not only are we not to do our enemy any harm, you know, David wasn't just not to kill Saul, uh, but he was, we're to seek to do our enemy positive good. Um, If he's hungry, we're to feed him. If he's thirsty, we're to give him drink. Um, You know, this, this that we see here about the about that very thing that I just read to you and about the coals upon the head, you know, that comes from the Old Testament. That comes from the book of Proverbs. You know, Proverbs twenty five twenty one says, if thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. Verse 22 says, for thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord shall reward thee. So, you know, in doing good to those who do us evil, God says, I'm going to be your reward. I'm going to reward you in this situation. You know, you don't worry, you know, about the outcome here. You just do what I've called you to do. You just do what I've commanded you to do. Uh, do good in any way you can. Take advantage of the opportunity to do him good, even though he's your enemy. That's what David did with Saul. So we must, if we're going to do that, then I've got to overcome, you know, the desire in my, you know, flesh to want to get even with that person before I can do them any good. But this this heaping and this piling up and the stacking up of coals of fire, you know, it's, it's really has to do with they're doing you evil, but you're doing them good. And they're seeing the evil of their actions and the goodness of your actions, and it's causing a conflict. It's causing, you know, a, a burning, we could say, in a sense, in their consciences, you know, because they see that, like, like Saul says, you know, I've done you evil and you're rewarding me with good. Your deeds are more righteous than I. Um, so, you know, that's, that's this whole idea of coals of fire. It's not, it's not boy, the Lord is going to really get you. He's going to heap these coals of fire. Upon. No, those coals of fire are your good works. You're doing good unto them. That's what that is. Stacking good upon good upon good. You know, I, I, could, I could have somebody that that's, that's, you know, doesn't like me. But I could walk into the office every morning and say, good morning. How are you today? You know, as they leave, hope you have a great day. Have a good weekend. You know, they may not want to say those things to me at all. They may not like me. They may hate me. I'm not saying that situation exists, but, but if it did, I mean, it would, they would be like, I, I hate this person. Why would they tell me to have a good day? You know, why would they, why would they want to be kind to me and, and be concerned about my life and ask me how I'm doing? Um, you know, they're, they're, so, they're so angry of you or maybe so jealous of you that when you say, how are you doing? They're like, fine. You know, they can't say anything else. Uh, but the interaction has still happened, you know. And, and behind that, maybe you're praying, you know, for them. You're praying for them. You're praying for a door to be open, an opportunity to be had, to be able to share the gospel with them, for them to come to a place to say, can you tell me why it is that you have the peace that you have? Can you tell me why it is that you would show kindness to me when I've, I've done anything but, you know, wrong to you? Can you tell me why you would do that? 
You know, that's, that's the desire that we have in overcoming evil with good. Um, it's not that David couldn't have killed Saul. It's not that we can't defend ourselves. Uh, it's not that we couldn't get even, you know. It's that that's, that's not what the Lord's called us unto. That's not what's in our hearts to do. Um, if, if it comes to it and I have to defend my life, then so be it, you know. But I'm not after personal vengeance, you know. That's, that shouldn't be in us. If it is, then that's sinful, and we need to repent of it, and we need to confess it before the Lord and ask him to remove it and ask him to put it in its place. This is what she sent before us here to be able to do this person good. So in that, you know, it kind of seems to me that it's kind of along the lines. I mean, this is, this is God, you know, in, in showing his goodness unto sinners. But, but it, 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 in my mind, it tracks with where we are. Romans 2, 4 says, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're after here. So we're seeking to produce a misery, not for misery's sake. I mean, we're not wanting them to be miserable on one hand. <clears throat> but on the other hand, you know, I do want them to be miserable. I, 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 but it's a misery that leads to repentance. It's a misery that sees their the evil of their deeds and the sin that they have before God and their need of repentance and their need of salvation. So in that sense, yes, I do desire their misery, you know, but it's not from a personal vengeance, retribution, get even with that I want them to be miserable. That's not, that's not what we're after. So if it's possible um, for us, you know, let us overcome evil with good. Now we're, we're told to do that doesn't mean that will always be the the response or the reaction uh, but we're also at the same time we need to think about the fact that if it were if it were not possible for us to be overcome with evil instead of overcoming evil with good we wouldn't have the set before us we can be overcome ourselves you know with evil uh, but we want to overcome evil you know with good I wanted to read some verses of scripture to you in regards to you know, controlling that in regards to being over, you know, that sort of an attitude and ruling over it. You think about Cain and, and his disappointment that God didn't receive, you know, his sacrifice. And God told him, sin lies at the door and its desire is to rule over you. Uh, so this vengeance would like to rule over us, to get even with people. Retribution would like to rule over us, but we're to rule over it. Um, listen to Proverbs sixteen thirty two. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. I've never taken a city. I can imagine what all would go into having to take a city, you know. Uh, but he that can rule his own spirit is better than the mighty, and that he that taketh a city. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. So we could see this kindness shown, you know, unto one who is angry, you know, one who is bitter, one who is resentful, one who is jealous. We see this kindness shown appeasing, you know, that. 
James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Lord, help us to rule our spirits well. To rule over the flesh well. The afflictions of the righteous are many. You know, commit this situation to the Lord. The afflictions of the righteous are many, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. You know, trials and troubles are going to come. David faced many of them. But consider the fact that God appointed Saul for David's good. He did. Uh, take it and apply it to your own circumstances this morning. There's people in this room that are going through things right now. And it may be your Saul. When we think about relationships between us and other people. But at the same time, there's things that you're going through physically. You know, your own bodies, you know, have rebelled against you. You know, uh, Cheryl's hips rebelled against her. Steve's arms rebelled against him. You know, Anna's head rebels against her. She has headaches. I think she's had a headache now for, what did you say, nine months yesterday? So there's things in our own bodies that are rebelling against us. But consider the fact that these things haven't come upon us by accident. These things, they have a purpose. They're working together for our good. I know that you could go through something like that for that long and easily get discouraged. But commit it to the Lord because he's got a purpose in it. Commit it to him. Rest in him. Look unto him. Just like David. Think about him being, he's being chased, you know, through the desert. And, 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 and consider the fact that Samuel's already anointed him king. He's already been anointed king. You remember all the sons of Jesse came before him. And, and Samuel sees the first one and says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And the Lord says, I have not chosen him. And the next one comes, I've not chosen him. I've not chosen him. I've not chosen him. They all come before him. And Samuel's like, okay, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Do you have no son? Well, yeah, we got one, but he's you know out there in the, in the field. Well, call him. We can't go any further until he's here. And he anoints David to be king over Israel. And so here's this one. Can you imagine him being in the cave? He's been anointed to be king over Israel, and there's Saul. I can take my place right now. But he says, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Yes, the Lord's anointed me king, but that will be in due time. The Lord will take care of Saul. Um, Vengeance belongs to him, not to me, in this situation. So that shouldn't escape our notice. I mean, we see, you know, David's life and how that Saul sought to take it over and over and over again. Um, but David's actions brought things to a point where Saul, you know, he, he weeps before David. I mean, he's been trying to kill this guy for months. And he weeps before David and says, your deeds are more righteous than mine. And I know the kingdom of Israel is going to be taken from me and given unto you. Would you not kill my posterity? Would you show the same kindness that you're showing to me today? Would you show that same kindness to my children? Um, and there was one, wasn't there? What was his name? You remember? Shibosheth, yeah. He was, and what, what, what type of condition was this young man in? He was lame. And, and David brought him into his own household and treated him as one of his own sons, and he sat at the king's table. You know, that, that is not what would happen in a normal situation where one family takes over behind another monarchy 
when that normally ha- normally what would happen there, every one of those children would be would be killed because they would have a claim to the throne. But David brings him in, sets him at his own table, and and there's a whole message you know there, uh, but but you know his Ashibosheth's feet are in the, the lameness that was there was under the table, couldn't be seen. You know, from there up, he looked like any of other David's other children, any of his other sons, and he treated him like that. You know, and, and for David, it was an easy kindness, wasn't it? Because here's, here's Jonathan's son, and the kindness that Jonathan had shown unto David, oh, how easy was that for David to show unto, unto his son? You know, so, you know, can we see some of that interwoven through what we've been talking about and looking at David and Saul and what we're, what we're being commanded of here? You know, that, that we not be overcome of evil. But, and it, it, be not overcome of evil. If it weren't possible, we wouldn't be told, be not overcome of evil. We could be. We could be. But be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That is what we're called unto. That's what's pleasing unto God. Which is more pleasing to us? Us getting our personal vengeance and satisfying ourselves or fulfilling what God has called us unto here and pleasing Him. That's what it really comes down to, isn't it? Uh, and we know where our hearts are. Our hearts are to please the Lord in all that we do. Eat, drink, whatsoever we do, we do all to the glory of God. You know, so it, if the Lord puts my enemy in my hand, just like He did Saul in David's hand, to where that enemy is there, He's hungry and he's thirsty and I can feed him and give him drink and show kindness unto him and it just feed this thing that he just cannot comprehend or understand and it brings him to a place where he's like Saul and he says, I've been wrong. Um, You're more righteous than I and I need to know the Savior that you know because I don't know anybody who would have treated me like you have the way I've treated you. Um, But that's what the Lord's called us unto. Uh, So the Lord provided that opportunity for David to show that kindness to Saul. And in that day, David, David could have listened to his men and said, you know what, you're right. This is God's providence. I'm going to kill him right now. But David said, no, I'm going to show him the kindness that God's called me to show unto him. Uh, I'm going to spare his life. And then we see, you know, the result. But like I said, it's not always going to turn out that way, but that's our hope. Our hope is that it would turn out that way, that they would come to an end of themselves and see their need of Christ. That they would see Christ in us and see their need of Christ. So, Lord, help us to do that. Um, any thoughts or questions or comments on what we've been looking at? Is it an easy thing to do? No. No. I mean, think how hard it was for David. I mean, there in that set of circumstances when it wasn't just him having to fight his own feelings. It was all of his men saying, do it, do it, do it, kill him. You know, take his life. Let us be rid of him and be rid of this set of circumstances. Um, you know, that would be even harder, wouldn't it? Uh, to be in that, um, you know, they're rallying behind David saying, you know, take his life. And then when David comes back with a piece of his garment, they're like, Haha, no, we'll, if you're not going to kill him, we'll go kill him. And David says, no, you're not. You know, you're going to stay. You're going to stay your hand. You're not going to take his life. Nobody's going to kill Saul today. Saul may die, but it's not coming by our hand. So, Lord, help us to, to rule our spirits like that, um, that, that we would seek not to take out vengeance and know that's God's place. That place belongs to him. That's not a place for us to stand. 
That's God's place. Let's stand. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Turn thanks for the, the meal the Lord's provided for us uh, to share together, if you're able to stay. So, Dad, would you pray for us?